0: year and counting,
1: Richard
2: Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals.
1: Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Wednesday everyone and welcome to Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? It's a matinee day so everyone who's working in the theater Go and see a live show if you can. And I do support our writers that are on strike. They are working for important uh, contract changes and we need to manifest that it's gonna happen. Uh, Today is Flag Day. It's also National Cucumber Day. It's National Strawberry Shortcake Day. But today, I am gonna be celebrating Kathy Serrell. And I am so excited that she's here today. My dear friend, Robert Neal Marshall, uh, suggested her for the show, and she said yes. Now, as I was putting the show together, I was thinking, what are some fun facts that I could share about Kathy? And then I thought, well, maybe she could tell you in her own words. Here she is.
2: Hi, I'm Kathy Serrell. I'm five two and a half. I usually lie and say I'm five three. (laughs) I don't know why. Half inch makes me feel better. That half inch makes a difference. What? Gross. Okay, hi. Let me tell you three things about myself. One, I placed fourth in Miss Junior Teen Brooklyn out of five. Also, I won best personality because I told another girl I would vote for her, but I didn't. I voted for myself, so I won by one vote. Best personality. I'm an asshole. Two, I have watched every episode of The Real World. There has been 32 seasons of The Real World. Broke it down. That's 602 hours of episodes of the real world, which is like 25 and a half days. Also, I'm gonna show you my boyfriend. Can you just... This is who I'm in a committed relationship with. I'm single. I feel like it's my dating profile. Maybe it is. Oh okay. Wow, I I don't even remember that. (laughs) Oh my God, you don't? It was for an audition. I remember somebody commented on the dress. Thank you very much. Um, I loved that dress. I don't know where it is. Um, (laughs) But I remember that I had to do this whole weird, it felt like stand-up for this audition. It was actually, I think, for a film.
1: (laughs) Tell me you got the film. No, I did not. Well, you're here today and we're gonna celebrate you. Who uh, or what are you celebrating today?
2: Well, I am celebrating, you said that it's matinee day. I'm celebrating all of my buds that are Tony nominees and Tony winners. Uh, there's some great theater happening this year, huh? Have you seen Absolutely. the love? Uh, let me ask, what are your, did you watch the Tonys? I did, I have to tell you, it was my favorite.
1: I also respect all the writers. I love the fact that there was no forced patter and that yeah. everybody was flying by the seat of their pants.
2: Yeah. And,
1: uh, Ariana DuBose, I love, I worship at her feet. I know, I isn't she amazing? Her. She's just amazing. She's great,
2: I met her years ago and she apparently is the exact same, you know, That's just right.
1: as her. Yes, she yeah. is exactly what you see there.
2: Yeah, I loved it because we really were celebrating all of the great theater, and there really has been shows this year that have knocked my socks off, and celebrating other shows as well, like Funny Girl. We got to see, of course, Leah Michelle have her star moment, which was yeah. lovely. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was just about the beauty of, of theater, and I I loved it. But I do I stand fully with the Writers Guild because without them, I'd be mute, and then we'd be in trouble.
1: That's <laughs> right. Well, we were this close to the Tonys not happening this year. I know. Uh, so thank God they were able to negotiate something and allow it to happen. But I want to talk about you. Uh, I know that you were born in New Rochelle. I was, uh, yes. And when you were a young child, um, did you watch the Tony awards or any of these shows dreaming that you would go into this world? Because I know uh, one of your quotes is that uh, you uh, just came out performing. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. your yes. Parents. <laughs> I did. I, I have to say, I have loved theater. I grew up 30 minutes out of the city. So I was so blessed and fortunate that my parents really put me in that world. So I remember seeing Peter Pan and wanting to be Kathy Rigby because I thought, wow, she can fly. That's amazing. But the moment I really knew I wanted to do theater was Time Daily and Gypsy. Now, I did not want to be Gypsy. I did not want to be Baby June. I turned to my mother and I said, that's what I want to do after Dressy Tessie Tora did her number. Those three women, I knew I was like, they get to come out on stage, do one badass number, and then leave. That's what I want
1: to do. And one of them is actually one of my very dear friends, Jana Robbins. I don't know oh. if you know Jana or not. Do you know Jana? Yes.
2: yes. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, that was one of those moments that I was like, that's the kind of work I want to do. And my mom said, Well, that's a character actress. Um, so let's, you know, if that's what you want to do. And sure enough, that has been what I've done. It's it's been such so what is your wife. mom's
1: name? Because I want to give uh, a shout out to her.
2: Mary. Is she, Mary.
1: Is she still with this?
2: She is, yes. Thank God, thank God. Oh, God. So I Mary,
1: know. thank you for making this happen, allowing this to happen, because yeah. so many uh, parents are not so open about it. Oh. Uh, I grew up in South Carolina. Uh, my followers know this about me. Uh, I grew up on a tobacco farm in South Carolina. Oh, and when God. I announced to my parents, I'm going to go to New York to be an actor, I could have been speaking in a foreign tongue for all they were. Uh, It just was not something that they could even wrap their heads around. Yeah, Uh, It was so foreign to them. So the fact that you grew up so close to New York. So your family, uh, brothers, sisters? Two older
2: sisters. Uh, One is still in New Rochelle. And then I have another sister in L.A. who's pursuing stand-up comedy now, which is great.
1: Did you all go to the theater together when it was affordable for a family to go to the theater together?
2: I just was having this conversation with a woman that has a family and she was like, how do I afford tickets? And of course I was talking about TDF and you know BroadwayBox.com that there are discounted uh, you know avenues that you can take to see theater. Yes, we and my dad would go. My poor dad was just dragged <laughs> to you know, a chorus line and there we were singing tits and ass. Yes. Um, and- But I think he loved it too. He did. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a family affair and and so many birthdays. I said, I just want to go to the theater and seeing Little Shop of Horrors and just all of the shows that formed me to be the actress that I am today. I feel so lucky. I cannot repeat that enough. I feel very, very lucky because I do. I hear of people that, you know, came here from, such a far place and didn't have supportive parents. And I I really, I won the lottery with my family. I did. So I asked
1: for a photograph of you at uh, five years of age and you haven't changed a bit.
2: (laughs) You look exactly the same. I love you. I love
1: you. (laughs) The the reason I asked for a five-year-old, especially nowadays because yeah. uh, kids are being told who they should be, who they should not be. To me, the five-year-old self is the purest self. It's before you really? go to school. It's before peer pressure. It's before all of those things get layered on top of you. Um, tell us a little bit about this little girl at five years of age.
2: Well, you're right. She hasn't changed. Um, <laughs> this that, that little gal was uh, performing to an audience of no one. Uh, so, yes, nothing has changed. No, um, I... I would go and just stand. My family had this great house. It was almost like an old barn. And I would stand on this little rock and just perform and do shows by myself. My sisters were older than I was. So I just would be out there and doing silly voices at the window. And my family would play along. I I played this little old man. um, And they, you know, made it sound like this little old man just kept showing up at the door. And they bought into it, which I loved. Um, and that that hasn't changed. I haven't lost that playful side. You know, the business is tough and mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, you know, not for the faint of heart. Um, but I think once you lose that playfulness and the, the joy of it, that's when it's time to walk away. And I still haven't lost the joy.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and for me, it's all about the audience. I mean, you grew up with such close proximity to New York. Uh, Do you think that that shaped the direction that you went in? Because you've done so much film and television uh, that and you you still do a lot of theater as well. Am I correct?
2: Yeah, I've done Williamstown. I've done off Broadway. I I created a show called The Awesome 80s Prom many moons ago. And um, I have such a love for theater. It's it's tricky, though. I feel like even though I'm in New York, everybody wants to kind of put me into film and TV. And I'll take it because I love it so very much. Well, you're great um, at it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I love the the sort of challenge of film and TV where, you know, you're doing page one on day 28 and you're doing, you know, page 300 day one where it's like, okay, you're my husband. We're in love. All of that. So to me, I love that challenge. Um, did that but, take some getting used
1: to for you, I mean, coming uh, from the theatrical background that you had before that?
2: You know what? It's funny. I feel like it really, it it definitely shaped me with sort of the stamina. Because, you know, film and TV, it's hurry up and wait. Um, and so having that training of theater really did help me quite a bit. Um, but I think I was able to adjust really nicely to it where it was sort of like oh okay the intimacy forgetting the camera is there um the magic of of walking onto a set that to me is is just mm-hmm. i'll never i'll never ever get tired of walking onto a set
1: for the first time it's amazing
2: yeah it really is there's so many moving parts and all of the crew and the people that work so hard behind the scenes that are doing it because they love it and that's the that's the beauty. That's the camaraderie that, you know, I, I love so much.
1: I love the fact earlier that you said that when you saw Gypsy and you turned to your mom and you said, that's what I want to do, that your mom explained to you <laughs> what a character <laughs> actress is. I mean, I mean, rather than looking at this big umbrella of show business, she yeah. explains to you what a character actress is. Yeah. Um, and uh, approximately how old were you at that time?
2: Gosh, I guess that was... I was probably like 10, I think. Um, yeah. Yes, you I,
1: were. I know what year you were born. So, and I'm looking back, Gypsy was in 1990. So I you, yeah. yeah, that's right. So when you told your mom that you wanted to do it, and she said, okay, we're going to open these doors to make it happen. Did you start out like a lot of kids do uh, doing things in school? Did you have opportunities in
2: your school? I did. So my my family was, you know, I said, this is what I want to do. And this is what I want to do. And they kept saying, like, we don't want you to do this professionally, like be a child and whatnot. But I had gotten scouted. And um, they were very nervous about it. And they were kind of like, uh, I don't know, I don't know, because I was doing all of these shows in school. Um, and then they took me to, I begged them to take me to an open call for a film that I didn't know anything about, nor did my mom or dad. But I just remember them taking me into the room and talking about a bunny. And I thought it was funny. Um, And it was for fatal attraction. And <laughs> I made the whole scene about the bunny in the pot a comedy. So uh, the casting... What a, what, a,
1: what a strange piece to get a child to do.
2: I know, and so the casting director, you know, brought me out and said, "Who does she belong to?" And my mom sort of waved, and she said, "Well, it's a drama, but she's got a gift for comedy, so you may she may want to do this." Um, and then it was once I was twelve, I was in middle school, and this great management company had come to see a showcase that I was doing uh, in middle school, and they were like, "Please, please, please, let her, you know, try to audition for things." And so my family finally budged. Um, And they said, you know, when this stops being fun, when you start to take it personally of getting rejected, you know, talk to us about it because that's, we don't want that. So um, I was, I was really lucky that they kind of let me do this at 12 and, you know, it was definitely a ride back then too. And, and, you know, the process of auditioning is so bizarre and when I started to feel like, oh, am I not good enough? That's when they were kind of like, back away, back away. Don't, you know, it's not you. So that was really their biggest gift that they gave to me.
1: Well, there are several things here that I want to go back to. First of all, I, you know, Franklin Langella in his book talks about that first moment uh, mm-hmm. as an actor when you step from the dark into the light, as he refers to it. Yeah. And that's that first time that you walk in front of an audience and you get any type of reaction, whether it's tears or laughter or whatever. What was that first moment? And take us back there and what that whole experience was like for you.
2: It was, I was doing really rosy and I was in fifth grade and I came on for my big monologue and about five lines in, I forgot my lines and I could feel the audience shifting. And then it was like, the curtain dropped because it felt like I had been out there for you know five minutes silent um and then I I walked off stage I sort of collected myself another actor came on to do the other scene and then I said I- I've remembered it I need to go back out there and of course the director was like no 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 we've moved on I said nope I gotta go back out there and I did and I didn't miss a beat and I said all of the lines and I had my thing and the audience went sort of nuts because I Done it perfectly, but I just needed that second take. Um, so that's
1: where did that come from? I mean, it, you know, most kids would just be crushed, you know, that this moment has passed them by, yeah. but you seized it and you went back out there and said, no, this is the way we're going to do it.
2: There's- I need to entertain the audience. That need for, you know, I, I remember growing up in my house and um, I would sneak out of my room and I would hear my parents laughing on Saturday nights. And they were watching the Not Ready for Primetime Players, Saturday Night Live. And that sound of laughter was heaven. And so I just remember being in that moment of not being able to remember my lines. And I thought, well, I've left the audience feeling empty. I have to go back out there. I have to make them laugh. And so that's you know sort of been my driving force ever since, really, of, of wanting the audience to be taken out of their everyday life and feel something.
1: So you mentioned that a management company had come and they saw the showcase um, Mm -hmm. and they singled you out Mm -hmm. and uh, said that they wanted to take you under their wings as most management companies do. Um, Tell us how that moment shaped your life and your career.
2: It was huge. I mean, they were like another family for me. It was great they believed in me and they wanted to show me all facets of the industry. And I feel very lucky for that because back then, you know, people would say, Oh, commercials. And meanwhile, I love doing commercials. They're mini sitcoms. They're 26 second sitcoms. And so I sunk my
1: team. Everyone. Yes. Yes. It's, and you've got to capture that in 26 seconds.
2: Yeah. And it was amazing. And so they showed me about voiceovers and they, they sort of introduced me into all facets of entertainment. And that was great. That was nice to have other people that weren't my family that believed in me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and back then it wasn't a necessary, I mean, I'm sure they needed to keep the lights on, but it wasn't about dollars and cents. It really was about like, where you want your career to go and, and seeing the potential of this being a job forever. And that was- Where
1: did you see your career going at that point?
2: You know, I really, I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. I I knew that comedy was something I wanted to live in. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it's interesting how being in New York, there's so many dramas and I was so afraid of dramatic work. And once I sort of leapt into that world, it was exciting because you get to drop the mask and just- be, and I've played killers and, you know, terrible women, and I've found their sort of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I am so grateful to comedy for being able to teach me that as well. Um I, yeah, I just always felt like Sketch Comedy, Upright Citizens Brigade, that world, being the character actress that would come on for a few scenes and then um was just what I wanted to do. Yes. And
1: you know, it's very difficult for adults in this business. But you mentioned earlier, you know, as, a, as a young uh, girl, uh, that you began to doubt yourself. Yes. Um, what were those things that were causing the doubt in you? Uh, was it not getting the jobs? Uh, or uh, Because that's very difficult on anybody. Um, yes. And how, do you, how did you get through that?
2: You know my again, my parents were amazing. My mom would always say, "You know, let it roll off you it's not it's not personal. It comes down to silly things height, hair color, and so she would say that sort of on a loop, and also it was learning to separate myself from the actor that sometimes you don't get a job because you know the producer likes this other person more. It's not you know a personal thing it's like you have to look at the job like it's a museum. And if I'm a, a Monet, I can't be in a Basquiat museum, it doesn't work. Um, so it was sort of my mom saying like, you're, you know, you're a beautiful painting, just know that the right museum will find you. And wow. that stayed with wow. me as well. Um, you know, because I know in, in college, they break you down and they're like, you're a blank canvas. Um, and I learned that, but it was also like, don't forget that you really are, you're a, you're a beautiful painting, like, again, it's
1: Excuse me, how long did it take for that to sink in with you?
2: Uh, I'm still working on it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you seem to have it uh, down right now. Um, But uh, So when did the shift happen for you when you began to start getting the gigs, uh, the jobs that you went after?
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, I I had gotten very close to a really great series when I was about 15 or 16. And I remember feeling like when I didn't book it, I was very disappointed, very sad. um, And thinking like, was it me? Am I not good? Am I not talented? And that's when I started studying more. I jumped right into classes and and training and um, doing other avenues. I, I think it's very important for actors to live a life because that will bring, you'll bring that to your performances. Um, and I will say, I didn't really, I forgot that in my twenties, it became about like my obsession to be a successful actor. Um, and I forgot to live a little bit. And so now my thirties and forties, I'm like, Oh, right. Take the trip, go see the friends. Um, and that has formed all of my work now. It's, it's really being a full blown human, um and so I would say the shift for me of of when I knew I, I wanted to continue to do this was probably when I had gotten very close to that series when I was about 15, 16, because walking into producers and and you know being in a room of of lots of money um and power and realizing like, yeah, I'm part of this. I'm I'm part of this group too. You know, I'm I'm the the actor, so it's that was sort of the moment for me of like, oh right, I'm I can be part of this.
1: Well, perhaps you've answered this next question, but when did it begin to feel like a career for you?
2: Probably not until in my uh, mid twenties when I started really working commercially and with voiceovers. Mm-hmm. You know, film and TV is amazing, but it can be very difficult. It's a ride, and so you have to be able to subsidize your income and. Find creative outlets, and for me, when I was working on the Awesome 80s Prom, um, I had been uh, Atlas Talent, who I've been with now for I think we're at 18 years. Wow,
1: that's amazing! The longest
2: relationship ever. Um, they had come to see me in this off-Broadway show because my fellow actor Noah Weisberg was represented by them, and they said, "You know, hey, come and, and meet with us." That was really the moment. Because they explained to me as well in my 20s of like, this this is how you can break into film and TV more. Because when you're on that TV, that TV is on in casting offices and network execs, everyone's seeing commercials. So that for me was such a turning point in my mid-20s.
1: Do you feel that the career that you have um, is based more on your ambition or on the people that you've met along the way?
2: Oof. I mean, I would have to say all of the above and then you sprinkle in that luck. Um, You know, I've, I've had really good friends and I I believe that in this industry, you have to kind of find your tribe. Um, And I've been really lucky with directors and producers that I've worked with along the way that have inspired me and molded me to be the actress that I am. Um, And yeah, I, but my ambition, yeah, I'll never give up. It's that that attitude of, you know, even when I'm depressed and I'm like, oh, I'm never going to work again, I get the call of an audition. And I'm like, I got to get busy and get to work on this. But it
1: sounds to me like that passion that was there when you first started out is still as alive and well as it ever was.
2: Yeah, it really is because I can't imagine doing anything else. This is what I love. I love, you know, I know it sounds cheesy, but being a storyteller, to me, is the best and biggest gift that one can have. So I want to be able to share that gift.
1: It is absolutely a gift that you give to us, the audience. So I just you want know, to put that out there. So when you, I would, if you could name uh, three among many uh, mentors along the way who have shaped uh, the career that you have, who are those uh three mentors be and this is with all due respect to everyone you've met along the way
2: yeah you know and I I don't even know if he remembers me but he was so influential his name is John Tracy Egan um, and he's a big Broadway guy he was one of my I for after school activities in like fourth grade he was so kind and taught an acting class And I was so inspired by him. And, you know, it's funny, a lot of my friends have been in shows with him and I'm always like, oh, I want to tell him. Um, But he really, I I don't even know if he knows, but like in that four week, five week class, he gave me so much and I really started to feel like, oh yeah, this is something I want to do. And now I work with kids because of him. Because he wasn't a negative Nelly, he was very loving and giving. And it's why I work with kids as well, because you'll have teachers that tell you, you know, go and do something else. There'll always be those. But the ones that really are encouraging and say, like, go for it, do it, play, fall on your face, and then get back up. That was, I think, my first real teaching experience where I thought, like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to, you know, do it wrong, if you will, and then, you know, find your way back. You mess up the lines, improv in. Now I've learned improving. I wouldn't have walked off the stage like I did with Really Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then one of my high school drama teachers, uh, Robert Pendorf, who has unfortunately passed away, mm-hmm. um, he was such an inspiration to me and and really kind of pushed me to do musical theater, which you know is still something that I do, but it's got to be a character because singing to me is so vulnerable. Um, you
1: said that herself, Carol Burnett.
2: Yes. yes, said
1: in order to sing a song, she had to be a character.
2: Yeah, because it's terrifying. There is something daunting about breaking into song but finding the truth in it. And so, yeah, for me, it's uh, I had a wonderful job. Many moons ago, um, they were doing a musical about The Tonight Show. It was based on Henry Bushkin's book. Mm -hmm. Um, about Johnny Carson and I got to play Joan Rivers and it was not too long after she had passed away Mm. that to me I mean to live in her body and get to sing an 11 o'clock number like I did it was heaven um but it didn't feel like me um so Mr. Pendorf really kind of showed me that and then I would say gosh now I, I've worked with such incredible directors. There was uh, a director I've worked with now 12 times commercially. His name is Jim Jenkins. And he really taught me a lot about short form comedy on on film and TV. And I, I feel like he was such a great teacher for me uh, throughout my career of the jobs that I've done with him. And still some of my favorite commercials that I've done with him are, you yeah. know.
1: If you're lucky in this business and you have a career that sustains itself, as yours has, there comes a point where people start calling you and saying, "We would really like you to come in and do this." Yeah. Uh, when did that begin to happen for you?
2: Well, I'm still waiting. Um, no-, <laughs> no, I've been I've been really lucky. Um, I I would say probably the last 10, 10 years, eight eight years, really. Um, Cause I have to discount the COVID time, unfortunately, but, um, God. yeah, I, w- I know, the lost years, um, I would say that people started to remember me and I, it became like a Kathy Searle type, which was so nice. I mean, I still don't buy into that because I'm like, I'm Kathy Searle. I'll, I'll do the job. Um, <laughs> but like that sort of, you know, the little quirky redheaded woman,
1: <laughs> but you know, have people tried to pigeonhole you into a certain niche in this business?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it took me uh, years for people to realize that I can do drama. And I will give it to the wonderful casting director, Mark Sachs. Um, I remember going in for a general with him and he said to me, you're going to play Killers uh, because your timing is fantastic, but you need to kind of own up to the dark. And I thought, oh, God, no. And it was like, I think maybe six months after that, I booked uh, Body of Proof where I played a Serbian woman who was a killer on a, a, that show Body of Proof with Dana Delaney and Sonia San. And it was one of my favorite jobs to date. Um, and yeah, that for me was a, an eye-opening experience of, oh, right, I can do drama, don't be afraid of it. and But a lot of casting directors still sort of see me as comedic Um, and I have to sort of change their minds, but, you know, if they give me the opportunity, I become the character and that's, you know, that's the joy of being a character actress that I'll dye my hair, I'll wear a wig. I mean, I was blonde, I think two weeks ago, um, because I was working on a a short film. Um, so yeah, I'm one of those that's like, you know, uh, let me play, put the, put the wig on, put me in the outfit and everything changes.
1: I know this is going to be a general statement, but I find that it's a lot easier. And I, and if I'm wrong, I don't want to offend anyone, but I think it's a lot easier for comics, comedians, comedians, uh, to transition to drama than it is for dramatic actors to transition to comedy.
2: I know. Okay? It's so interesting. I've heard that so many times. I, I mean, thank you for saying that because... I don't, I had a teacher back when I was in college and she made me so afraid of doing drama because she sort of made it sound like, well, you're just a funny gal. Um, But, you know, I, I feel like if you've got the timing, it is, it's hard to teach that. Um, But I think, I mean, I don't consider myself hilarious. Um, I, most funny people don't, we all think that we're kind of like, meh. (laughs) I could be funnier. I could try that differently. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm sure that dramatic actresses do, they probably get as nervous as we do for the drama as well, you know, because there is something about dropping the mask and just being so raw and real. That's exciting, but you know, it's scary.
1: <laughs> well, when, where, and how did the teaching begin for you?
2: When I started working with kids, mm-hmm. that is, you know, I, I worked at a studio um, probably 15 years ago. And I was working with kind of retired police officers and older, uh, older men and women that wanted to be actors that sort of were like, this is my third act. Like, this is something I would love to try. And that was a really interesting moment for me of like, oh, okay, I loved inspiring men and women. And then a friend of mine worked at a studio called Broadway Workshop. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, do you want to come in and teach voiceover and, and commercial work to these kids? And I jumped at the opportunity because I started when I was a kid and I want kids to not lose their sense of self and that playful side. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yes, please. And thank you. And I love Mark Tumanelli; still employs me when, you know, he's got groups that come in from various parts of the country and I get to play with these kids. And to be honest with you, I get more sometimes than they do, I think, because I learn so much. They're fearless. We get older, we get scared. And so that's, uh, you know, anytime people ask me to speak to kids, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Um, because, yeah, I just think they're they're magic. And, um, you know, put me in a scene with a kid and I'm like, did you buy what I was saying? And if they say no, I'm like, give, it, give me another take. The kid didn't buy it. <laughs>
1: Now, you've got a big event coming up. You're going to be going to Maryland to do it.
2: I do. Tell us about that. I'm so excited. Robert Neal Marshall, who is just the bee's knees, our mutual friend, um, he is the basically artistic director of the uh, Lake Fest Columbia, Maryland Festival. And it's so great. I worked on it last year as well. There's great bands that come and play, and there's incredible local artists that sell their sculptures and paintings and there's great food and entertainment and I just get to stand up there and introduce people and talk to the audience and it's great. I love going to Maryland too. I love that that city to me is great. I really love it. it.
1: And when was the last time that you saw Robert?
2: Robert and I saw each other, gosh, I guess it was last year at the festival. And then we saw each other in London as well, because I had dated somebody that lived out there and Robert was out there to see an old friend. And so we were like, you know what, let's meet up in London and have dinner. And it was fantastic. He's just so wonderful. He's such a
1: good man. Well, you can tell him yourself. He's right (laughs) here. Surprise! I'm glad that you were very positive with what you had to say about him. And Robert, it's good to see you again. I'm so
0: relieved. I was so nervous when you asked that question. She's like, oh, I have to cancel, but he doesn't know, you know. (laughs) Can you imagine? No, 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 no. First of all, Richard, Kathy, I told you, is the bee's knees. Kathy, darling, I cannot wait to see you. Um, Kathy is so amazing. We've worked together on a few occasions now. Um, I love her like she's my mishpucha, my family. I, I adore her and we inspire each other. She inspires me and I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So thank you.
2: I know. I cannot wait. It's going to be great.
0: And I barely had time to get hair and makeup done. Richard's like, "Why don't you come in and surprise her?" I'm like, "What? Like now?" I'm like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!"
2: You look amazing. Where are you?
0: I'm in. I'm in Maryland.
2: No, I know, but are you at the office? <laughs> this is my office. This is okay. my.
0: Yeah, I don't work here anymore. I sit on the sofa with the Chihuahua that, because <laughs> really of we adopted Kujo Jack, and we were on a film set in West Virginia. And Kathy, Kathy almost took him home, and then somehow she let me take him. And my little soulmate angel is—he's upstairs sleeping. So, well,
2: will you please give him kisses?
0: Oh, you'll see him this weekend.
2: Uh, yes, I can. We'll make
0: sure you see him this weekend. So.
2: <laughs> so, this is
1: the second time that you've done this, Kathy.
2: Yes, it is, and yeah. I had a blast last time. It was amazing, um, and I can't wait. The music is freaking great. I'm so excited to know what the lineup is too.
0: Oh it's yeah, it's
2: right.
0: Oh I got to send you a copy of your scripts actually now that that I just remembered. But yes, it it it's a great festival and and it's 36 years this has been going on. Wow. And um, so if any of your viewers are down in Maryland or coming down, I mean please do 3 days of non-stop and then we have the Columbia Film Festival that's going to be online but it's geo Geo, um, whatever geofenced for Maryland, Virginia, whatever, because of a lot of the films that that you know are screening elsewhere, including a new Jacqueline Bissett feature film that we have in the film festival called Lauren and Rose, um, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. But yeah, Kathy's coming down to see all that. And it's funny because my programming director, Dave Simmons, he gets all the bands together. So he I used to MC like a long time ago. He says, Oh, Bob, we don't ever want you again. Kathy's fabulous. <laughs> Kathy's the only one we want to have do that. And I said, Just please. make sure you open with really rosy. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs> I wonder if I can remember my lines from fifth grade. <laughs> I probably can. No. <laughs> so how how did you two originally meet? We met doing mm-hmm. the All awesome Prom. That's right. Which was a show that I created in New York with, gosh, I guess it was kind of a rotating group. It was about 10 of us, but then there was an original 10 as well. Um, And then Robert worked on the Baltimore production. And then we got to steal him and bring him to New York. I got
0: to understudy and they would actually send me up to New York. And I would cover for the, they were all younger. I was the old guy in the cast. I played mean principal Snellgrove, who was the principal of the class of 1989. And it was this interactive, fabulous party creation that took you back with all the fabulous music and the fabulous characters. And, uh, you know, I sort of crashed and burned as the evening went on. But Kathy was one of the originals. And I was just honored that I would go up to Webster Hall in New York and play. You know, I'm an equity actor as well, and get to play with these fabulous people. And I just I fell in love with Kathy. I mean, you I know, did.
2: The feeling was very mutual. Yeah, it was such a fun time. And and now Ken Davenport has gone on to produce oh my Broadway shows. Him. Yeah,
0: and is amazing.
1: Come on the show. I've been trying to get him. He's so busy. I can't get him I on.
2: I know. He really is. I know every now and again, I'll text him sort of like, hi, how are you? And you know, (laughs) I'm lucky if I get a text back like that week. But he's so, I mean, he's swamped because he's got so many. A
0: beautiful Noise back. is his, one of his m- most recent noise. shows.
1: And yeah. I used to get his, uh, you know, he's not writing his blog anymore because he's too busy to do that. Right. And, yeah. uh, but I lived for that blog. I've got several of his books on my shows. Oh. And uh, I'm a huge fan of what he brings to the table.
2: Yes. Um, we created uh, numerous projects together, too. Oh yeah. Penn and I, we worked on The Awesome 80s Prom, then My First Time, which was at New World. Oh, right, right. And then we did a web series uh, called uh, Bunny Hole, which was based on Pahrumpf, Nevada, where prostitution is legal. Um, and it was the bunny ranch, basically, where we were all- Here's
1: the a theme in your career. <laughs> Bunnies, rabbits.
2: Rabbits and some prostitutes, because Dressy Tessy Torah, I believe, was- no. <laughs>
0: Yes, yes. Well, a showgirl. She was a showgirl. She was a showgirl. Was a showgirl. She was. She was. Like Lola. Yeah. <laughs> but,
1: Kathy, you wear so many hats. You're a writer. You're a teacher. You're an actress. Uh, mm-hmm. Out of all of the hats that you wear, which one do you feel that you wear the most comfortably?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I hope the actor hat. <laughs> I hope. I mean, I'm sure I can find a bad review somewhere that will say different. Um Yeah, I mean, I because this is coming out of the womb wanting to do it. um, Hopefully, that's the hat I wear the best.
1: I can't Jeez. imagine this happening to you. Oh, go ahead, Robert. I'm sorry.
0: No, no. I was just going to say that Kathy's also come down to Maryland with some local actors here in the DC area and and for us done some workshops as well. And I've seen her teach. I've been in her classes and she is a remarkable teacher as well to be able to share that craft in such an intelligent, creative, um, connectable way. So she's a magnificent teacher as well. So she's going to have a long career no matter. She'll be 90 years old and if she's not playing some 90-year-old fabulous character, She's going to be teaching classes, encouraging all those young talents. I love it.
1: Well, I want to ask both of you this question. Uh, I can't imagine this happening with either of you. Uh, But have either of you ever received a bad review in this business? And if so, how do you deal with that and get through it?
2: You know, my mom taught me water off the duck's back, let it roll off. But um, yeah, I, I make jokes about the Baruch College ticker. Giving me a bad review when I did my first time off Broadway. Mm. I let it go, I promise. Um, no, I'm just kidding. They, but they did. They gave me a bad review. Um, there's Now with social media and, um, you know, the, the world of YouTube, people write horrible things. I just have to say, okay, you know, people will comment um, on my looks and things like that. You have to just let it go. It's a personal feeling. You know, I I wish these people well that say the negative things because maybe they're having an off day and they got angry and they thought, I want to, you know, single that little redhead out. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, to that, I say, it's okay. You know, everybody has a bad day.
1: Well, that's a good way of looking at it. Uh, And stay away from the chat boards. Always. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes. I did. I went down a rabbit hole once for a music video that I'd worked on. And oh boy, oh boy. And I was like, uh, close. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I will say this. And I have, and you know this, Robert, I've had stars from every level of this business. And they have all been attacked on these chat boards. Yeah. And I have not been on one of those chat boards in years. I just stay away from them. I'm not interested. It's
2: it's
0: better not not to. to, Yeah.
2: better not to. It's better not to, you know, as a woman too, growing older, but also my body changed quite a bit. And, um, people kind of came after me for that about putting on weight and whatnot. And there was a point that I got really upset about it and thank God for good therapy. Thank God being in the union that it's covered. Um, and it was sort of like sitting with that. And again, knowing it isn't personal, it's just somebody saying their opinion, but opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them. That's
1: That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> what about you, Robert? Have you ever had to endure that?
0: Well, yeah, of course we all have. I mean, I, Kathy's had such a much more prolific career than mine. I've done more, as you know, from our early, earlier conversations, more behind the scenes. So I, I've been lucky in the sense that as for my acting, I haven't received terrible reviews um, in that. So I'm, I feel grateful, but That's from limited exposure, I guess you could say, but I've been involved in some pretty terrible projects that have gotten pretty awful reviews and and Kathy and I worked on one of them together that we're not going to say the name of it for anyone else who might be watching this um but but we, we've had to endure some pretty horrible critiques of some of the works and uh that that's hard because I think like Kathy says you 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 take it personally and you you still you're a member of the team but yeah you got to let it roll off your back because there's going to be another project and we all strive and how can we make this better? How can we how can we make this fit? How can we update this? How can we make it, you know, like some of the projects? I've got to play that I've talked about that you you mentioned, the 41 North 50 West. How do how to keep that updated and keep it contemporary so that you know new audiences will relate to something that maybe was originally written several years ago, but is historic. So how do you keep current so that a current audience will appreciate things? That's the chat, right, Kath?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, and I think as as you grow as an actor, you learn to not listen to reviews, mm-hmm. good or bad. You know, I, I I believe, I forget, I think it was Jamie Foxx when he was in Comedians in Cars with Jerry Seinfeld mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or Comedians Drinking Coffee, whatever it was. Uh, he had specifically talked about when he had won the Academy Award, he gave it to his agent and said, I don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know. It's like, have it. While it's an amazing honor, you don't want to buy into that of like, I'm an Academy Award winner. Um, And it's like you can't buy into, oh, my God, the New York Times loved me. Of course, it feels good. But then if you do buy into it, then you start to phone in your performance. You know, you goes back to the audience the gift of giving it to those people that have saved so much money to come and see you entertain them. So it's like, don't believe the hype and don't believe the crap
0: but, but well, at the same, it's point.
2: not out there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I also was going to say that it also has to do with each of us as actors. Um, and you can relate to this obviously too, Richard is, is making that emotional investment though, being honest, being sincere, giving all of yourself to that as best you can. I see a lot of local theater where they, they're even put videos out before the show even opens of let's say a dress rehearsal. And I'm like, I wouldn't necessarily put that video out there right now because you might as well get their money first (laughs) before you change their minds, you know, kind of a thing. And, and, you know, just because someone can stand on a stage and say some lines doesn't mean that they have the passion or the commitment to it. And I think that's true in any craft. It's like, be honest, be, commit yourself, you know? Uh,
1: Kathy, um, Uh, The audition process, um, has that gotten easier? Uh, I refer to uh, it as your body of worth that's behind you. You've Mm -hmm. earned uh, your name and reputation in the business. Uh, You must walk into some auditions where they're happy to see you walk through the door. Um, But has it gotten, I mean, is it uh, still a difficult process auditioning or do you love to audition?
2: I um, I give... Major credit to actors that do love auditioning. There are times I do. It's um, you know, it's scary. It's but I work with the nerves now. Um, I used to, and it's funny. I had a, a, a actor that I had worked with that had explained this the best way. Um, I used to get very intimidated in waiting rooms because I would think, oh my gosh, I would be in waiting rooms with these men and women that, you know, have Tonys, that have Golden Globes and Emmy nominations. And um, and an actor said to me, but you're in that room as well. Don't forget that. You've been invited to the party. And so for me, when that was told to me, auditions changed. Then I was excited. I was like, oh, I'm here too. <laughs> um, and then there would be that element of, of fun brought back in. Now, because of covid Everything is either Zoom or self tape, um, and you have to, you know, this business is ever changing, so you have to adapt. Um, I would say, I yes, I absolutely still get nervous. If I'm not nervous, then I'm nervous because I'm like, uh-oh, I'm not connecting to the material or something's a little off. Um, <laughs> but I have like a little ritual. I have like a little sign-in sheet, and I write my name and the time and. Um, sort of like it is a real audition, but I'm doing it, you know, from the palatial 375 square feet that I live in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, having my sister be my reader where she's not in the business at all, and sometimes she'll give it to me flat. It's great. You know, it's, it's <laughs> like a challenge every time, <laughs> although now she's gotten into it. Now she's you
1: know, dancing. <laughs> Donna McKechnie, tell, <clears throat> I've got a frog in my throat. Donna McKechnie tells this great story that she went to an audition once. Um, and this was after she'd been in the business for a while. And she's talking to the other women in the audition. And one of them says, you're going to get it. They're looking for Donna McKechnie type. <laughs> and she said, that's what they told me. And <laughs> she went in and didn't get the part.
2: <laughs> well, so, I know, that's <laughs> always the way. when you And I always say this, when you walk out being like, oh, uh, oh, uh, booked it. You didn't. Um <laughs> It's better. Very- and the
1: opposite happens as well. <laughs> yeah. You think that was the worst thing I've ever done. And then they call you and offer you the part.
2: My favorite audition story. I had auditioned for this movie called My Man is a Loser. And I was so prepared. And I worked this material with the great acting coach, Anthony Abson, who I've, I've worked with many years. Um, And I was thinking the thoughts of the character. I walk into the room and um I... I do the scene and the director says, that's it. And I, of course, you know, and that was it. It was like, thank you. And I walked out in tears, you know, I'm never gonna do this again. And then the next day my agent said, you booked the job. And I said, what do you mean? And I said to the director, you said, that's it. In such a way, he was like, yeah, that's it. That's the performance. (laughs) But I took it negatively, if that doesn't show oh. you it's my brain.
1: Well, um, I'll tell you both my absolute craziest story. Uh, when I first heard out, I was doing stock in Hopkinton, Rhode Island, <laughs> at the Heritage Playhouse. And I was cast uh, as Peter Van Damme in The Diary of Anne Frank. Oh,
2: wow. And
1: one night we did a show with two people in the audience, and they were both critics. Oh yes. and one critic said I did more facial mugging in one scene than Cal Burnett did in our entire career. Oh. <laughs> the other one, uh his name was Robert Utter, and we referred to him as the Utter critic. Uh Robert Utter, uh and I, I remember the name, but I don't remember the name of the other critic. Uh, he said that it was the most moving portrayal of a young man into adulthood that he right. had ever seen on stage. And I go, Now which one of these do I believe? I know. Right. And that was it for me as far as reviews are concerned. Yeah,
2: Yeah. neither. Because it's, did you walk away feeling like you gave them what you could? Did you do with the material? That's, and that's, Mm -hmm. that goes right back to the audition process. You Mm -hmm. walk away feeling like I gave what I could to that woman or Mm -hmm. man, and then I can't touch it anymore. It's in the hands of the universe, whatever you may believe in. Um, I am a spiritual person, so I, I do put a little bit of, of that into it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you do, you have to walk away and say, "Okay, I tried."
0: And then exactly.
2: you come up and try again.
0: If I could add to that, what Kathy was saying earlier, too, I was watching the earlier part of the segment about casting and type, for example, as, as you guys know, I work for Pat Moran Casting for almost two years. We did shows like Veep Season 1 for HBO. We did Game Change, but we did local casting. We didn't do the big stars. We did the local actors. But... You know, bottom line from a casting perspective, it really does come down to type. You know, if, if you've got an actor, a professional actor, I guarantee you that 80 percent of them are all going to be wonderful when they read. It's the bottom line is what is the chemistry between that person and the other person in which usually you can't tell, tell a callback. And sometimes like Kathy knows and you guys know that there, there, there are many callbacks or signs, bam, you just get it. They know. And it's, it's the type, if you just fit, it's just right. And no one else would get that part, no matter how good they were.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I have a que- another question for both of you. And I'll start with you, Robert. Since you've been in the business to this point, um, the business has changed a lot. Some <laughs> positively, some negatively. What are the things that you really love as far as where the business is now? And what are things that you missed that were in place when you first started in the business?
0: Oh, that's interesting. Gosh, you ask great questions. For me, I would say that the, the technology, um, the, 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 the interconnectivity, you know, that we've had to deal with has become a, a can be a positive tool in many senses. I think that growing older, for one, as Kathy was saying, uh, that I'm wiser for it and I don't take it as personally anymore as well. Um, that is that is the way it is. I think in the old days, there was also a different genre of that, the way that the auditions were held. And like you said, when you were just in the room and that that was there was a different energy and you had older people back then that that it was just a, it was I felt more. I can't think of the word. It's it's like there was a stricter environment. There was a tighter, there was a more commercial, professional environment. Maybe it's just from growing older, being more comfortable, but I think it's more relaxed right now than maybe it was back in the day. I'm talking like in the mid to late 1970s for me.
1: But don't you think that that's a mind shift in your own mind as well?
0: I I I think it really is. It probably is strictly a perception. And as we get older, you become more comfortable with yourself. Or like Kathy says, you know, you begin to let things sort of roll off your back. It takes a while. And and like like Kathy, I'm still working on it too. We I think we all are. You know?
2: Oh gosh, yeah. I think you know we work on it until we are dead.
1: Yeah. That's when the time
2: is up, and we you know.
1: But Kathy, the got- same question for you: things that you that were in place when you first started, and mm-hmm. things that have changed for you.
2: Representation. I mean, the fact that we are seeing every sexual orientation, every every skin Ooh. color, uh, that to me, it's like it's taken us this long, but at least we're here, and yeah. God willing, it will keep growing. Um, but I love. Seeing... The
1: broken ketchup,
2: please. I know, I know. Um, that brings me such joy because I I love again going back to kids you see the magic in their eyes when they get to see someone that looks like them. That is such beauty. Um, And things I struggle with, I I guess, um, probably the audition process, missing going into rooms. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that energy. There's something about that, like, I don't have to set up my, you know, blue screen and the lights and I don't have to be my editor. Um, I can just go and do my job Um, that, you know, I still miss it. I do.
1: Wow. Well, I want to thank you both. Robert, thank you for suggesting Kathy. I don't <laughs> want you to go anywhere for a moment because I'm going to give each of you a chance to have a final word. Robert, you can say anything you want to say about the event coming up this weekend, give dates and times, and everyone, you can go and see Kathy in person. You know? That's the exciting thing. So uh, I wish that I was available to be there. Um, uh-huh. But uh, I'm going to start with you, uh, Robert, and then Kathy, you'll have the final word today. And with both of you, it going to be about anything that we spoke about that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't speak about that you wish we had, or just any final word that you want to leave everyone with today. And Kathy, don't worry about how do I get out of this thing. When you say goodbye, the final credits will roll. Um, I would like to thank everyone for being here. Uh, I know I can speak for both Kathy and Robert when I say this. You could have been anywhere else for the last hour. And the fact that you chose to spend it with us, uh, I don't take lightly, and I'm grateful. So thank you very much for doing that. Um, I also end every show, and I'm going to say the same thing to both Kathy and Robert, to uh, I tell everyone to pick up the phone and call someone that you have not spoken to in a while. Mm -hmm. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call to let that person know how they've made a difference in your life. Uh, So many people go, Oh my God, I wish that I had called them or whatever. If it's somebody that you haven't thought about in a while, chances are they're thinking about you right now. Mm -hmm. So pick up the phone, call someone. I have a dear friend and he says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different size boats. Mm -hmm. And I say, I don't care what size boat you're on as long as you have a skipper by your side. And with that, I'm going to leave. And Robert, I'm going to let you take over and then I'll turn over to you, Kathy. Thank you.
0: Oh, Richard! Just just to say thank you so much for allowing me to be on the show. And Kathy, I love you dearly. I cannot wait to see you. Um, Richard Skipper is a gem, and he's a gift to our community. Um, so it, it's I want to celebrate Richard Skipper today. Uh, and and I, and I have my mug. I got my mug. He Richard Skipper has a fabulous mug. So go to his website and check it out. They are gorgeous. And um, I I just. Thank you, Richard, and for inviting me and for having Kathy. And Kathy, darling, I love you. I will see you in two days.
2: I know, I can't wait. Oh, I love you.
0: Love Thank you, too. You.
2: This was so nice. Thank you, Richard. What a gift to be able to talk with you and and talk about myself, which is always weird. But um, I love that you talk about picking up the phone and, and telling someone that you love them. I think that's so important. I think uh, I would like to leave everybody saying I'm so grateful and gratitude is probably the most important thing. It keeps us young and, and feeling good about life. So be grateful for everything you have and appreciate those around you. Thank you. Thank you. And if this is the dream of being an actor, just go for it. Who cares? Take a chance. Why not? Life is short. Thank you.